previously on Tales of Asperon. From this crystal and a luminous gold light, so bright you can't even look at it, erupts from the tree like a flare. Can I get everyone to roll me 2d8? Your vision goes so white hot that you just pass out on the ground and you watch your allies fall down unconscious. I come from a long line of herbalists and florists and plant makers and just all, all about wildlife. And I can't grow anything. The only thing I've been able to keep alive are a few poisonous plants and a single cactus. Just gotta speak to some people about curses. Do you know anything about curses? I don't know. I don't know anything about baby curses. Edward, he looks like a like a man-child in the scariest way. Like this is a very large man. He's clearly used to manual labor, but he's he's dressed up like a like a DIY superhero, and it's kind of freaky. I've got like a lot. Do you want to borrow one? And I open my satchel and I like reach in. And you can tell I've got at least forty pounds of cheap novels. Chapter oh. five. Edward gets turned into a puddle. I mean, that's what the book says. It's got to be true. Hey everyone, and welcome to Tales of Asperon. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast. Now, what does that mean? We sit down at our desks, pretend to be someone we're not, and record it all to share with you. Then, we put out an episode every other Friday. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. And the best part of it all is that we have no idea what will happen next. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with. Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. This just means that sometimes we roll dice to figure out what happens next in the story. Roll really high? Great. Roll low? Not so much, and it could end up pretty bad. I wonder what will happen this week. Will we learn about why Alea believes she's cursed? Or maybe, just maybe, the origins of Tedward's crazy floating book? Let's roll the dice and find out together. tale begins much further in the past, long before the Beast of Whiteleaf tormented this ancient wood, or Eardon Thistledown robbed and murdered the master of Igni the Firecat. And even longer before the fated day our party crossed paths in the town of Homestead. With their wounds healed from the mysterious golden light released from this corrupted birch tree, our adventurers rest and revisit their own call to adventure. Okay, so... Alea, the last thing you remember is standing in the clearing of the white leaf wood, surrounded by your allies. And from this tree, as it's consumed by tealish, bright, bright flames, a golden light explodes from this tree and washes outward over you and your allies. And suddenly, all of your wounds from the battle, from the whole day, are suddenly healed, and you feel revitalized and energetic. In that moment, you will feel this golden light seep into the corners of your vision. And you find yourself falling unconscious as you fall down towards the ground. And then, in this unconscious state, you smell breakfast. Can you describe to me what Alea's room looked like before she left home? Her bedroom. 
Um, so the bedroom is small, but it has is def it's definitely filled with a bunch of knickknacks and trinkets and stuff to the brim. Um, there's not really it's kind of organized clutter, but it's not that organized. Like like she knows where everything is, but uh, yeah. her mom or her dad might not have any clue. Mm-hmm. And there's also um, littered across the entire room are dead and dying plants um, that she's failed to keep alive uh, in a healthy amount. Um, but regardless of the dead plants, uh, it still has a homey and lived-in uh, vibe. Okay, so you you smell breakfast and your eyes shoot awake, and you take in the you know your bedroom around you. And you can hear um, the quick footsteps down the hall of your two younger siblings. You want to tell the audience about them? Um, so Alea has two younger siblings who are about a year apart, um, but everyone mistakes them for twins because of how identical they look and they're close in age. Um, almost twins. <laughs> almost twins. Um, there's a boy and a girl. They're very loud and rambunctious. Um, so you hear their their fast and hurried footsteps down the hallway right outside your bedroom door. And you hear them quickly boom, 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 thudding down the stairs. It's the weekend, you know, Saturday, end of the week. And you know at this time of week, the week your mom is usually making some kind of breakfast because this this early in the morning, the um, the family herbalist shop doesn't really get a lot of customers this early in the morning what do you do um probably just lay and stare at the ceiling oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, for a little bit uh listening to the chaos that is outside of uh, her bedroom door um and then she'll shuffle and slink her way out of bed and try to put down like fix her bed head and maybe grab <laughs> a sweater or something and then shuffle out of the room Okay. Um, as you put your hand on the doorknob and pull, you can hear your um, younger brother and sister downstairs. Um, at this point, you're kind of used to it, but they're probably running around the kitchen. And like clockwork, you hear a handful of pots and pans clatter to the ground, and you can hear your mom yelling, What? Stop it! Just get out of the room now! And as this is happening, you kind of slowly make your way downstairs with the chaos kind of evolving around you. <sighs> Typical morning. <laughs> and, and you make your way into the kitchen, which is kind of a long and thin room with a large like butcher block table in the center. Up along the wall, there's a row of windows looking out into the family's garden and the greenhouse that your, parent, your mom and your dad use to you know, supply the shop with all the different kind of unique herbs and salvants and, you know, natural materials that they sell to the people in town. And along this wall, you can see there's a big, like, metal kitchen sink that has a small pipe that looks like it might deposit outside towards where the garden is. And you see standing next to this kind of woodlit stove is your mom with a pan over the oven. Um, it looks like she's frying up some vegetables. Um, what does your mom like? Like as a person, um, not like what food does she like? Um, she's very, I kind of want to say regal and elegant. Uh, she definitely has an air of authority of, about her. Um, that comes standard with most elves. Mm -hmm. Um, she 
also definitely has kind of uh, behind the calm and uh, elegant features. She definitely has this fire and passion, um, which uh, Alea's dad balances out because he's a very like calm dude who's like very go with the flow um, kind of man. So, yeah. <laughs> and as you kind of take in the scene, you see that your your dad is sitting at the long butcher block table on a stool and he has what looks to be like a, a ceramic mug of something warm. You can see the steam coming off of the top of it. And at this point, you you smell the fresh coffee um, from the morning. And your dad is just kind of munching on some what looks to just be like nice toast and butter um, while your two siblings are darting around the table, just running laps. Your younger sister tackles your younger brother's... God, why can't I say that? <laughs> Your younger sister tackles your younger brother to the floor and they just kind of roll over and knock over a chair. And you see your mom look over her shoulder and roll her eyes and sigh. But in the corner of her mouth, you can see this kind of half smile. Not on the side that the kids could see, though. Um, mm -hmm. What do you do? Um, I'd probably go up to uh, my mom and ask if she needs any help and yawn real big while trying to grab a, a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's like a nice fresh pot sitting on the table and your mom looks over and he goes, oh, good morning, sleepyhead. Morning. She has a wooden spatula and she's kind of stirring the, the vegetables. Looks like she's frying up some broccoli. Um, this is, I guess this is a druid question because it's kind of assumed that most druids are like vegetarians and they don't eat animals, but that's not always the case. What would you think Belay's family would be like in that regard? Um, yeah, I could see vegetarian. Uh, yeah, vegetarian, not vegan. Okay. So they would eat like eggs and honey and stuff. Okay, so in that case, um, along with the broccoli that she's like stirring up in the pan, you can see that she's also making kind of an egg scramble along with it um, from the family's hens out towards the greenhouse. And sitting on the table next to her is kind of a bowl with these kind of brown and spotted eggs that you're kind of used to seeing on the daily. And she looks over to you and says, coffee's over there. And she points to a large kind of um, ceramic jug um, that kind of has coffee scrawled into it, like carved into the clay <laughs> before it was warmed. She goes, I just took it off the stove. Your father seems to be enjoying it. And behind her, you can see your daddy just kind of cocks a half smile as he watches your younger siblings roll around on the floor. What do you um, do? Uh, probably go to, the how close is the coffee to the siblings? Um, imagine if you're standing next to your mom, the table would between would be between you and them. Okay. Um, so I'm going to pour myself a coffee, take a few sips and then walk over to the siblings and try to separate them and like pat their heads as I separate them. Roll me a D20. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, like I said, this isn't going to be very roll heavy, but there will be moments. 11. Um, okay, so you gently put your coffee on the table to the side and grab both your siblings. Um, how do you rip them apart? Um, you can see your um, your little brother is on his back and your even younger sister is kind of sitting on top of him and she's grabbing his cheeks and just pulling and going <laughs> as she's like stretching his face out. And he's like, stop, no, come on, stop. And he has his hand against her face, but it's not really helping. So I'd probably like... Um kind of put my arms like underneath her arms and then like lift her up and like put her down and then like help my brother get up with one hand and 
kind of motion them to sit on the bed and chill. <laughs> you um you lift your younger sister up, and in the, the quick moment, the quick reflex, you feel her start to kind of struggle, and you feel an elbow kind of gut into your gut. Not not really hard, like it was more or less. Mm -hmm. She's still in fight mode, but um, you lift her up and you're, you watch your little brother roll over and quickly scurry away. And he looks at your sister and kind of takes one of his fingers and pulls his eyelid down and, and like blows her a raspberry and then takes off further into the house. Um, and your little sister looks at you and goes, can I get him? Uh, I will look at where he went, wait a beat, and then let her go and, and say, go for it. Um, she hits the ground and with a smile and a couple quick footsteps, she turns around the corner out of the kitchen and heads out into the yard. Um, and you're left in the kitchen alone with your mom and your dad. And at this point, your mom, um, she had, looks like she just finished up cooking the food and on the table, she puts down like a, what looks to be like a half cut piece of wood from maybe a tree stump or something and sticks it on the table and then puts the hot pan on top of it. She goes... Dig in the um, the hands aren't producing as much as normal, so you know this is all we got for a little while. They're being a little stingy, if you can put it that way. I'll, I'll talk to them, but enjoy. And she kind of motions to it, and you see on the table as well. There's a couple plates set, these kind of ceramic plates. Um. Mm, okay. And uh, I'll just reach out sleepily and just scoop a little bit and half asleep, half awake, trying to eat food. <laughs> Okay. Get anything um, into my mouth and then, yeah. Um, and then I'll probably look around and ask, um, where, where are the other guys? Referring to my older siblings. Would you like to tell the audience what they're like? Yes. So, uh, Alea is the middle child. So she has two younger siblings and three older siblings. Uh, two of which still live with everyone else. Cause it's kind of, their family is like a little tight knit community. Um, so she has, uh, the second, the oldest, um, is a, a half-elf female who, um, lives with her husband close by, um, very close by, again, very tight-knit family community, um, and then the second oldest is, uh, her older brother, who is kind of a stoic character. He's, uh, very quiet and grumpy most of the times most of the time. Um, and then her oldest sister, the third oldest, uh, is kind of um, rambunctious, but like she's mischievous. Like the, the adventurous yeah. type? She's mischievous and likes to just disappear for long hours and no one knows where she goes, but she always comes back with like random stories and uh, great feats that she's accomplished. Um, Probably embellishments, but Alea yeah, I was going to ask, like, how true are they? Um, embellishments, but Alea loves anything interesting, so she eats it up like, you know, there's no other. Those are her, like, best, those are, like, the best stories, in her opinion, to listen to. Mm -hmm. It's her thirst for adventure, even if they're a little made up. Mm -hmm. We'll slip back into the conversation. Um, your mom sits down, pulls over a plate, and takes a big healthy serving of food, peppers up her eggs. A lot more than you would do because that's what she likes. But she goes, well, your older brother is, he went off on the trails earlier this morning. I, he said he was going for a walk, but you know him, it could take forever. 
and your older sister such a bad mother i haven't seen her for a day or two you know she usually she does her own thing and then comes back you can't keep (sighs) her chained in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um at this point i will slowly be dozing off as i'm shoveling some eggs into my mouth (laughs) as you do this she slides forward the pot of coffee late night (sighs) i was trying to work with some um my cactus the only one that looks to be kind of holding on but i don't know i just don't know and then she'll take a sip and then all of a sudden get very energized wait a second are we having any uh lesson plans today um not today your grandmother said we needed um she needed a little more help in the shop today than normal she's pretty tired but i can show you some things in the shop if you'd like Uh, about your cactus like what's wrong with it you're only supposed to give it a little bit of water every once in a while yeah yeah i know like what does it look like um it's green it's um it's okay it's a little mushy on one side um i i think the next plan of action is to distribute the water evenly throughout the soil but we'll see we'll see um does your pot have did you put the little holes in the bottom like i told you to yes that's like the first thing i did just just making sure geez (sighs) have you tried talking to it yet what do you think i was doing all night no. It's very stubborn. Very did, stubborn little plant. Did it you see she hesitates for a moment, like she's a little bit afraid to ask because it might hurt a little to ask, but she says like she's trying to choose her words lively. Did it talk back? You can see what? in her eyes there's a little bit of like hopefulness. Um talk back? No, okay. Not- I that's that's fine. <laughs> I I just wanted to ask, you know, it's just Nothing. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Um, and you can see she kind of her shoulders kind of deflate a little tiny bit as she says this, but she hides it really well. Um, I'm gonna pout and then try to shove some toast into my mouth. Um, and she then stand up. <laughs> as you stand up, she stands up with you and kind of pats you on the head. She goes, "Come on, let's go to the shop." Um, I'm gonna say bye, Dad, and then I'm gonna follow my mother. Um, he's. Sitting at the long table, um, still munching on his his toast. And he looks over you. Bye, honey. Aw, they're so cute. <laughs> and he picks up his coffee and sips as you walk with your mom through the kitchen and out kind of through the living room to the side door of the house that leads to the shop front. Um, what is the name of the shop? Ooh, um... Oh, I don't I feel know. Like this would be fun <laughs> to make up on the spot. Uh, okay, wait, let me think. Because that's kind of the nature of the game. Um, what is their last name? Um, wasn't it Zilseri? Yeah, Zilseri's. I don't know. I like what's a good name? Like <laughs> Zilseri's. Uh, mystic, mystical. No, Zilseri's flourishing greens. I don't know. Flourishing gardens. I don't know. Like you think of something, you're the creative one. I'm enjoying this so much because for once, I get to put you guys on the spot, and you- <laughs> oh gosh, oh gosh, and okay, I don't um, have to make anything up. Uh, um, Zilseri's nightshade and greenery. Ooh. I don't know if I like the greenery part, but I like the nightshade, and it's a type of plant. I think it's a poisonous plant. Yeah. Oh, that works. <laughs> 
works. It fits well. Um, so you and your mother open up the door to your family um, greenery. Zilceri's nightshade and greenery. Um, ahead of you, you can see rows of many different plants um, hanging along the glass roof of this enclosure. You see there are tons of potted plants just hanging from the ceiling with a variety, like a myriad of colors. Um, you see teal, you see purple, you see red, and you see traditional hues of green and the general leafy textures you would get. And along with this below, you see shelves of different kind of ground down plants and reagents and fluids and all these things that, you know, your mom works on the daily to distill from all the different plant life that your family cultivates in the greenhouse. And sitting behind the table, um, you see your very old grandmother stooped over, um, your dad's mom. Um, her long pointed elven ears are popping up over what little hair she kind of has left. And she's sitting there in her rocking chair behind the counter, knitting. Um, and she looks over to you and just squints a little. You can barely see her eyes because her face is so wrinkly. But she kind of just, you get a warm smile and she nods. And your mom goes, hello, mother. Any customers today? And your grandmother just nods her head back and forth and rocks and continues to knit. And your mother points back to a handful of plants. She goes, before our lesson, if you'd like, you can um, tend to the, and she looks and goes, the, the teal caps back there. And she points to what looked to be these, you see a, like a, a darkened box that is, it looks like it's built to block out a ton of light. But inside you can see these tealish mushrooms that are growing in like a very dark soil. She goes, they need a little bit of spritz and you can change the soil if you want. Um, that would be wonderful. Okay. Um, I have a DM question real quick. Yeah, of course. Do elves have any, like, nana or, like, kind of, like, names? It's stuff like that. Um, when I wrote, when I do these games, I tend to err on the side of removing as many racial stereotypes as I possibly can. Just so that, like, you know, if you're an elf, you have to call, like you said, if, if you're an elf, you have to call your grandma this or that. I, that's just a family thing. Like, that's going to be a family construct. So, whatever you want. Um. Okay, so I'll just walk over and to my grandmother, say a quick, hello, Nana, and then follow or walk over to where my mother was pointing. And they're mushrooms, right, you said? Yeah, like teal mushrooms inside this kind of darkened box with this really dark soil. Um. Your mom said they just needed a spritz and the soil change and stuff. Okay, so I'm going to try to, uh, I guess, give them a little bit of water, but probably with my clumsy butt, I'll overwater, panic, and then <laughs> try to change the soil, drop it, <laughs> and <Okay>. just <laughs> usual clumsy and chaos. Give know? me a d20 roll. You can add your wisdom to it if you want. Actually, yeah, add your wisdom to it. We'll call this a nature check. One of the few skills you got from your family before you left. Nature. Okay, yeah. I don't think it's going to have help, but we'll see. Uh, six. Oh, that that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you describe what would have happened way better than I ever could. Um, <sighs> and you're working on this and you go to change the soil, the soil and you kind of stumble a little and the soil just spills out over the floor. And... In a panic, you look around the shop, 
your grandmother doesn't even seem to have noticed. And your mom, who was standing um, right at the front desk, she was behind it. It looked like she was counting off the, the golden-hued like healing potions and tonics that your family makes on the shelf. She was kind of counting them out. She looked over her shoulder at you, and she goes, Oh, darling, um, here. And she looks, she goes, That cactus over by the window could use a little bit of love. And she quickly kind of walks over and takes the dustpan and starts to sweep up the soil. And you see her checking on the nightcaps or these these teal caps as she picks them up and kind of resets them in their box and gets everything cleaned up. What do you do? Uh, sigh, <laughs> bite my lip, annoyed, <laughs> and then go walk over the cactus and start grumbling to the cactus, but trying to like freshen the soil. <laughs> um, so while you're there with the cactus, a, a plant you're very familiar with. Um, I mean, as familiar as you can be. Um, you hear the, the doorbell to the shop as the door swings open and you see an older gentleman walk in. Um, the man, you're looking at his face, so right away you spot that his skin is kind of tan and wrinkled and very weathered. He has like a medium length gray beard that's kind of black right at the, the roots. And you look at him, he has this kind of long face. His jaw is thin and it kind of comes to a bit of an exaggerated point. If Have you ever seen the show Parks and Recreation? Yeah. You know other Ron? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, kind of like him, but a lot more weathered and kind of more like outlandery instead of just like a hippie. Um, okay. But this, this man has on a, like a long wool, um, like a long wool coat and... You see that he has these kind of dark leather boots that are stained with mud. And as he steps into the shop, you can see he just, it doesn't even seem like he notices, but he tracks some mud in on the floor. And slung across his back, you see this kind of large traveler's pack with a bedroll tied up at the top, like right behind his head. Um, and something's odd about it. First thing you notice is that the traveler's pack, in contrast to everything else he's wearing, is flawless and almost perfect. It looked like he literally just bought it. Where the rest of his clothes are kind of torn and ruddy, it looks like this guy's been on the road for a long time. And as he looks, he steps into the shop, he takes a quick, turns his head and looks around, and he sees your mother and kind of smiles. And you notice dangling from his ears are a pair of small, what look to be dream catchers, maybe about the size of a quarter. And... They have various little tiny feathers on them and stuff. And he looks up and kind of looks towards your mother and he goes, uh, Hi, do, do you have any of the... I'm looking for a peculiar plant. Can you help me? And your mother looks around and goes, um, Yeah, yes, absolutely. We can help you with that. And she walks over and they start to discuss. What do you do? Um, While you're I guess I... caring for your little cat. My little cactus. Um, I, I guess I'll just like go around the shop and try to like look inconspicuous as I like check out this guy's like travel pack and stuff. Okay, you're snooping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, roll me a stealth check. I'm gonna say just roll a d20 and you do your decks because you're probably not proficient. Oh my god. <laughs> What'd you roll? Like a two? I rolled a four. And then my dex is a uh, negative one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this this particular individual, you hear him and his him and your mother discussing, and he's 
he mentions the name of a kind of strange plant name you've never heard of before. Um, and he says he's looking for ethereal lilies. And that name kind of catches you by surprise while you're standing at a shelf kind of reorganizing some of the ground up like powdered plants and reagents. And you're so focused on listening to them that you kind of accidentally knock one down on the floor. It doesn't shatter, but it makes a noise and both of them stop and look over towards you. And your mother looks away and the other man kind of turns his head and looks towards your mom and they continue to talk. And your mom goes, yeah, I, I think I might have something as I let me, let me go check the greenery. That's, that's kind of a, it's a rare plant, but I, we may have cultivated some of it recently. And she kind of walks towards the door and she goes, um, Alea, if, if he needs anything, help him out. Um, I'll be right back. She walks through the door into your house and you hear it clang shut as you are left in the shop with this individual um, behind the counter. You can see your grandmother still rocking back and forth, knitting whatever she's knitting. The fabric is kind of this thick blue, like dyed wool that you have. And she's just knitting and... The man is standing at the counter and you watch as he kind of turns away from you and starts to survey the potions up on the shelves behind the counter. What do you do? Um, I'm going to mosey my way over to the to go behind the counter. Um, and I'm going uh, kind of hesitantly. I will say um, thank you for choosing Zilceri's Nightshade and Greenery. Is there anything else I can help you find today? Um, does she sound like really nervous or is that like super rehearsed? Yeah, it's very rehearsed, <laughs> but um, she's trying to kind of like, she's embarrassed about messing up multiple times. So she's still kind of down and wants to just hide in the background-ish. Okay, um, so you walk up to the corner and he goes, yeah, from, from what I've heard, you're the best place in town to buy the kind of things that I need. And he points up to the heal, uh, two of the vials of healing potions racked up on the shelf behind the counter and goes, how much for um for for both of them up behind there? Uh, I'm gonna look behind at it. About fifty, fifty gold. For one or both? Uh, for one. I thought she was gonna get it wrong. That'd be so funny. <laughs> um, she says I'll I'll take both of them along with the um lilies, if you have them. And he kind of motions to the door. You watched your mother go through. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to try to. Uh, get the get the potions down. Can I roll to have one of them fall and break? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I hope not. They're um, expensive. <laughs> You're gonna be grounded for a while. Um, just a d20. Yeah, use your decks. Oh my god! <laughs> Is it a two <laughs> or a yeah. zero? It's a two. It's okay. A two. Um, you take one off the shelf and you go to take the second and you start to juggle it in your hands. As you kind of turn around in a panic and look towards this fella on the other side of the counter, um, you spin and the, the vial just launches from your hands. And you watch as this kind of laid back, nonchalant man, um, you blink and his hand is, he caught the vial out of the air. And he kind of tilts it and looks it over and sets it on the counter and goes, you should, uh, should be more careful with those. They should be ingested, you know, not on the ground. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm, uh, uh, and then she's just kind of mumbling. She's gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just mumble like, freaking curse, I swear. As you're mumbling, you're, um, you hear the, the 
the rocking chair creak and you you hear your grandmother's voice from behind you and she's Alea, how how are you? Like she's not even aware that you're talking to this dude. Aww, Emma. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll set the, the two vials on the counter and um, I'll just uh, just just one moment. I'll put up a hand and then uh, turn turn to uh turn to Nana. Uh, yes, Nana. Ha- Do you need something? How how are you? I'm I'm okay. She's still knitting. Are you are you okay? <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Uh, I'll turn back to the guy. <laughs> um, by, at this point, he's kind of leaning on the counter. And then I'm, I'm going to sigh deeply as I turn back around. Sorry, did, did, may have misheard. Did you, did you say cursed? Oh, uh, y- yeah. Pardon, I mean... pardon me if that's a little personal, but <sighs> Here's it's a weird thing. thing to be saying. No one, uh, she leans closer, closer to him, kind of mm-hmm. like she's trying to keep him a secret. No one really believes me, but... I'm convinced I'm cursed. And why is that? Anything that could go wrong does. And, like you said, my family is uh, probably the best in the business, right? In this area? From, from what I hear, yeah. Okay, take the best in the business and then just think of, like, mm, the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. As you say this, you notice his eye looks towards the healing potion and looks back at you, and he goes, I, th- I think I might understand what you mean. <sighs> I don't know if anyone actually understands. Um, so, he, what? As you're saying this, he looks at you and he goes, again, this, this might be a personal question, and he kind of leans forward on the counter and goes, have you, how long is, how long have you thought like this? How long? Yeah. Since the second I could even think. I've been like this since I was just a tiny little half-elf, not knowing anything in the world. Um, and you see his demeanor shift a little bit. Um, I'm not even going to know insight checks or anything like that. But um, you watch as his posture kind of stiffens up, and for a split second you catch his eye look towards your grandmother, and he goes, Have you met any um, strange people lately? Elderly folks who aren't as elderly as they seem, you know, maybe a kid that seems out of, seems out of place. Um, Have you met anyone strange? Because Alea is very honest and forthcoming, she's. Just, I'm gonna say, uh, besides you, not really. It's fair. It's a fair answer. And then I'm probably like lean forward and be like, should I should I be on the lookout for someone? I'm gonna say. Just keeping your eyes peeled. I've been in town for a little bit on an errand. And I've recently dealt with some strange individuals who may or may not have been doing some not-so-nice things to the people of this town, okay? Wait, like what? Curses. Curses? And then she's like, gonna leave it lean in more. What kind of curses? This is, this is gonna sound strange. But, um, someone living outside, outside of town, who was turning people into puddles. I dealt with her. Puddles? Yep. Just turning them into goop. So, so you have experience with curses? Very much so. He kind of looks you over. Do you you mind if I, and he like takes out, um, something from his, um, one of the pouches on the side of this like pristine backpack that he has on. 
and he's holding what looks to be kind of a twisted and blackened like sprig of a tree you kind of recognize it immediately as it seems very familiar that it looks like a, a, a focus for magic something you've seen your mother use when she makes um some of the healing potions and reagents and things like that do you mind um to do what he holds up the sprig and kind of closes his eyes for a moment and you watch as i think this time i'm going to require a perception check okay 22 okay so he holds the sprig and you watch his eyes close and you watch now it's kind of a it's not a cold morning, but it's it's kind of warm. And you watch as you can see the breath coming out of his mouth coalesce like steam. Like he like it's a cold day and he's breathing. Mm-hmm. And for the faintest moment, you see the dream catchers hang, dangling from his ears. Kind of, for a brief moment, shift and change with this kind of spectral blue light. And his eyes open and he just drops the sprig into his other hand and he goes, Nope. Uh, not cursed, but you definitely got some magic going on in you. And he takes his hand and motions you up and down. Magic? Yep. Like, what kind of magic? Like, druid magic? Yeah, kinda. Is that strange to you? Is that normal? I mean, I come from a family of druids. I'm just a really bad one. I mean, if you really think you're cursed, there could be some kind of influence happening. I mean, someone from a family of druids must, you know, be good at nature magic and all that kind of thing. Mm, Yeah, that's the problem. (sighs) How would you even tell, like, how would I even break a curse that I don't even know is technically there? Uh, It it takes a lot of magic. Um, Sometimes you need to be at a particular place and maybe at a particular time of the year. Maybe during a lunar equinox of one of the moons or... Something of that nature. But hmm. it's, it's doable. Hmm. I'm well, actually I'm actually on my way to a site that's capable of such a thing right now. You see him look over like he's looking at the door to see if your mother's coming back out yet. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, well, how, when, hmm, she's stumbling over her words. Uh, kind of have, like, a million thoughts going through my head at once. Um... As you're stumbling, you see the door, like, pop open, and your mother steps through, and in her hand, she's holding this kind of teal lily, and it's strange, at the edges of its leaves, like the petals, you can see that they're turning into these wisps of blue light, very similar to what you saw on his earrings. And she go, your mother goes, I look through our fey portion of the greenery, and I found one. We have one left. I thought we were all out. And she goes, it'll be a um, hundred gold easy. And the man goes, that's, that's just fine. Along with these, any motions to the potion, the two potions. And she walks over behind the counter. And you see him pick up his coin purse and start to take out the change. Um, and he puts down on the table a platinum piece, which for you, that's, I don't think you've ever seen that before. Um considering you're in kind of a faraway town. And then he takes out the resting gold and puts it on the table. And your mother goes, thank you so much for your service. And he goes, absolutely. And he kind of takes it and put. you see him slip the two potions into his backpack in the side pouches. And you 
you don't even see the backpack change or flinch. Like it doesn't move as he drops the items in, almost as if they're not there. And mm -hmm. he takes the lily and from his from the back of his pouch, he procures out a glass case that has this black glass over it. And he takes the lily and puts it inside and then puts it in his bag. All the meanwhile, his bag doesn't look like it's getting any extra weight in it. It's spoopy. It's a spoopy. It's a spoopy bag. Um, what do you do while this is happening? Um, are you going to be around longer or are you traveling tonight? I'm, I'm heading out of town right now. Mm. I'm heading down to um, Whispering Lake, down the Ogle River. It's a couple weeks travel from here. Hmm. And he looks over and he goes, look, if you, um, you see or find anything strange, like I said, let me know. Uh, how, I'll, I'll probably be back in town uh, a couple months from now. I'm, I travel a lot, but I'll come back in, buy more potions. And he looks at your mom and he goes, maybe get a couple more of those lilies. And she, yes, I can grow some more. And he goes, and just fill me in. Uh, okay. Um. I'm going to look at my mom and then quickly look back at him and recite, uh, thank you for shopping at Zilceri's Nightshade and Greenery. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, too. And he turns to walk out. And he reaches for the door with his left hand. And he reaches up and grabs on the, like, the iron pull of the door. Um, and you notice something on his forearm that catches your eye. His sleeve of his like long, heavy wool jacket slides down, and you notice on his wrist, right below his palm, you see a tattoo. A large droplet of water with a pair of swords crossed over it. And then, Alea, while you're sitting in the shop with your mom, you hear your mother's voice go. As he walks out of the shop, you hear her go, Well, he was an odd fellow, huh? And then... Loud in your ears, you hear like a ringing. It's unbearable. And then you hear, and your vision starts to get cloudy and you start to feel a little dizzy. And you hear, and you wake up and you see Tuberry with both of his little halves. He's sitting on your nose, looking down at your face with his cute little black beady eyes. And he goes, and you wake up in the clearing. Okay. I love him. <laughs> hey there, listeners. I promise I won't keep you long. Our community is very small right now, and we could use every bit of help we can get. If you enjoyed the show or have feedback for us, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Good or bad, we want to know what you think. Every little bit helps our community grow, and we want you to love listening to the show as much as we love making it. I know at this point you've probably heard me say that a lot, but I mean it with every bit of my little tiny blackened heart. You can find us in a bunch of other places, which we've laid out for you on our website, www.toapodcast.com. On there, you can find our Facebook, community Discord, and a bunch of other cool stuff like our storytelling blog. As for the show, we release our episodes every other Friday. So I'll be seeing you again on June 28th. Finally, our ambient sounds for this episode. This week, we're featuring an ambient track from uh, the same band camp producer called Sword Coast Soundscapes. 
I've used them in my home games all the time and they can really take your experiences to a whole new place for your players. If you want to be in the sewer or a tiny alchemist shop or a creepy forest, these people have you covered. So check them out on Bandcamp or their YouTube channel. This week we used a track called Small Marketplace for when Tedward is book shopping. Enjoy the show. Okay, so I have questions about Tedward. Um, first off, what kind of family does he have? Like, you know, two parents, brothers, sisters, anything? Uh, he had two parents, obviously. Um, as you know, his parents came from families that very much opposed their union. Um, the one being the Theodore clan and the other being the Edward clan. And so in a conciliatory conciliatory gesture of compromise. Once Tedward was born, he was named Tedward Edwardor to make his his uh, lineage a sort of per- perfect equilibrium between the two. It didn't really work. Their parents were still really angry. Um, but life went on. So your parents got together, but the rest of the family opposed, or...? Yeah, there was sort of like a Romeo and Juliet sort of situation. And uh, no no dramatic murder-suicides happened. They were just farmers. They, you know, they just, like, just kept uh, tending to their farm, and life went on. And event- they didn't have any other um, uh, Tedwards. There's not a bunch of other ones running around somewhere, God forbid. And then uh, Tedward grew up big, strong, and dumb got kicked in the head a lot and then he went off to uh, work in the big city as a bodyguard and then out of nowhere one day uh, the farm was destroyed by celestial debris and and Tedward was orphaned at the ripe age of 30 when it didn't matter anymore anyway you gotta get that old um, adventure parent destruction it's the only reason you can leave home Precisely. He needs a tragic backstory to be a true hero, and he's got one. And that's Tedward. So you can say he has a small family, or you could say he has no family. Same story, different versions. Both are true. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think a good place to start this is Tedward working as a bodyguard. Um, to recap, you were standing in this clearing as Thurbash set this brightly colored flame across this tree and a burst of golden energy was released from it all of your wounds were healed and this energy washed over your body and blinded you and in the midst of all this kind of chaos tedward passed out on the ground along with the rest of your adventuring party okay and you come to your senses in the midst of a memory ah Uh, Back when you were working as a bodyguard in the Emerald Crossroads, you were working Mm -hmm. for this kind of wizened old gnomish woman named Amelia Kessig. She was a scholar. Her skin was cracked and very pale, and it kind of showed that she didn't get out much, which hence the obsession with books. She had um, uh, pretty low standards for employees, I'm I'm guessing. Yeah. um, Or was she just like really short on cash? Uh, yeah, like... a mix of the a mix of both because the um, we can say that the person that 
got the job for you was a friend of hers and was just kind of like, yeah, I think I know somebody. And she was like, I don't want to pay him basically anything. I was about to say, shitty friend. Um, but they knew you were strong. So you got picked up as a bodyguard for a little while to work for this woman. For the most part, your duties just involve following her around and carrying stuff for her because she was a little paranoid and nobody really seemed like they were out together. Paranoid and tiny. Yeah. It didn't even seem like at all that anyone was out to get her. She just hired a bodyguard because she's paranoid. Maybe she reads too much. So on this kind of fine, cool spring day, you and Amelia have kind of made your way to the annual bazaar in the Emerald Crossroads. This bazaar is sponsored by the School of the Mist, which is essentially a repository for knowledge and arcane secrets. And Amelia has kind of dragged you here, hoping to maybe find a find a good book on sale or pick up some new magic or just learn something, um, even if it's just a handful of old history books. And the two of you have kind of made your way through this bazaar, browsing through the different stands of books and things like that. Right now, she's walking ahead of you, and from behind, you can see the um, her bright kind of goldenrod pants peeking out at the bottom of this coat. And underneath her right arm, she has a stack of books already that she's just been grabbing off the shelves. What do you do? Well, um, I think Tedward, as like a farm boy, essentially... Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of, like, um, what's the word I'm thinking for? Cosmopolitan experience. He doesn't have a lot of exposure to other cultures. He's never really been in a city. And so, like, seeing a bazaar spread out with all these different vendors from all these different places, he's going to be pretty goggle-eyed. And he's probably going to be, even though her strides are much shorter than his, and she has to, like, pound out about 58 steps to his one, He's lagging behind uh, his his employer as she scuttles around looking between the stalls, and he's just just completely Google-eyed, staring at everything. Okay. Um, so while she's ahead of you, kind of weaving between like stall to stall, she stops at one, and someone is selling tons of fine silks, and she immediately starts pouring through all these little boxes and things, and you see her take out a, a little trinket. It looks like a, a mechanical beetle, throws it to the side. And just kind of and turns her head around and you see her eye another shop and she walks away. She's obviously looking for something. And you start to lag behind her as she gets further and further away. Um, and you see her stop at the maybe about 40 feet away from you. And you can see her in the crowd just a little bit as you see her, her hand raise up in the air and she goes, Tedward! Edward, come here! Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, right away. I'm gonna jog over there, and uh, in three steps, I have caught up with her. You um, make your way through the crowd quickly, and you see she's standing by this um, small little cart, and someone has these mountains of books. It's a gnome, um, a gnomish individual. Um, and they're sitting behind this tiny, like, co- for you, for Tedward, it's co- a comically small little table. That's and they have piles and piles of books, maybe six seven feet high, um, which for you is probably right about eye level. And you see Amelia start, to, she takes out her coin purse and starts running her hand along the tall stack of books, 
just reading titles and you see her quickly pull out two, three, four books and just start tossing them back towards you. <laughs> Do I have to like roll to catch them or? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you roll for it. I'm gonna say you're you're kind of used to this at this point. I well, first of all, it's a given that the first one hits me right in the face. Yeah, and <laughs> you 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 comically fumble it and sort of get a good grasp on it. And the other books, you're just kind of grabbing them out of the air and stacking them up. And she has like a very brief conversation with this person. Um, yes, how much? Yeah, okay, fine. Pulls out a a handful of coins puts them on the table and immediately just starts, just veers away into the crowd again. And you see her look over her shoulder again, expecting for you to follow. Okay, I'm gonna follow. And while you're moving through the crowd, um, you see her stop and she goes, yes, there it is. Um, and you see straight ahead, there is what, oddly enough, all of the other shops in this bazaar are mostly, you know, tables and little tents that have been kind of propped up. Um, but among all of these multicolored tents and banners and things of that sort, you see one structure that is solid. Um, at this distance, it looks to be a, a one-story tall building of stone, and it's painted in hues of like sky blue and navy and all these deep drifting hues of blue that almost, they're reminiscent of clouds. And she immediately starts running to the place outside you can see there's a line of people weaved around the building and she stops for a moment <sighs> regards the, the whole line of people there's a person standing right at the the wooden door of this place uh like they're letting a certain amount of people in at a time and just ducks underneath and she just hauls ass and sprints right past the guy and he goes ma'am no 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 and she's gone already into the building uh tedward is like at this stage in his in his life, you know, he's a big guy, but he's a farmer. He he's not really an assertive, violent person, or or forceful person, should I say? Unless he's surrounded by animals, so he does his oldest confidence boosting trick. Is he imagines some people when they're addressing the public, or they're trying to get confident? They imagine people are in their underwear. And Tedward just imagines he's surrounded by cattle. So he walks up to the tent and just imagining he's surrounded by cows, just gives the bouncer guy a swift slap on the flank. He goes, hey, shoo. Roll me a, what would this be? I guess intimidation? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me get the dice roller out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now this is interesting because my stats would be all different. This is the this is the past. I'm just going to assume that um, any charisma you might have is likely still the same. Is that a charisma check? Intimidation. Yeah. Yep. Or okay. you can use you know what you can use your strength as well. Oh, dude, this is perfect. I just crit failed. Nice. Okay. Um. So with that nice and hefty natural one, um, the 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 guy taking attendance, he has this. Um, book in front of him with a quill like he's trying to keep count of how many people go in and it just slams something he goes e excuse me what do you think you're doing <laughs> i've never been spoken to so impertinently by a cow so i'm taken aback um tedward's mind is working at like defcon 5 right now and he knows that when it comes to beasts of the animal kingdom 
if the carrot if the stick doesn't work you must consult the carrot so digging into his pocket he's looking around for anything edible and he comes up with a fistful of granola and he just sort of presses it into this guy's hand he goes ah don't eat this all at once pal and like winks like he's done him a big favor and goes to sidle past him into the tent okay roll me a persuasion check with disadvantage because you definitely failed the, the the butt slap okay this is already like at a heavy penalty oh jesus i just i just rolled a 19. nice so with my charisma is like minus one so that's an 18. okay so th this this man looks down at his hand um this man looks down at his hand in confusion and he excuse me what and before he can even finish his words, you've already kind of walked past them into this bazaar or into this building. And ahead of you, you see long, long tables of like a deep cut oak and tons and tons of shelves and shelves and shelves of books. Um, roll me a perception check. Oh boy. Not one of my strong suits. Uh, 15. Um, with a 15 looking around this place, um, you don't see Amelia anywhere. Um, she's on the, on the much shorter side than you, and these tables are likely taller than she is. Um, but it seems like she has vanished in this place. Um, among these bookshelves and these stacks of books, you can see, you know, a couple dozen individuals just making their way through the shelves, pulling books down. Um, there's an elven individual standing right at the front, maybe about 10 feet from you. You see him having a conversation with this half-elf woman, and you see him point off towards a bookshelf, and the girl quickly runs past him. Um, it seems like this place is like the premium crop if you wanted to buy books. Okay, um, so it's it's all books in here? It's all books in here, yeah. Okay, so Tedward, being an avid consumer of popular fiction, is just going to look around, and he sort of he sort of eyeballs these things the exact way that they tell you not to. He looks for just interesting covers. He looks for <laughs> he looks for like his his um uh, his peanut brain just looks for the brightest, most saturated color in its field of view. Okay, roll me a investigation check. Oh boy, I just got a one. Nice. Okay, well, you I'm spend gonna try to read a butterfly. <laughs> you spend yeah, you spend maybe five ten minutes just stepping yeah. from shelf to shelf and. All of these books are boring. Um, they're oh God, old, no they're pictures. dusty. Yeah, they're brown. Like you've seen brighter color browns on your farm growing up in the fields. Um, and after a long while, you just go shelf to shelf, um, kind of wandering. And you manage to um, make your way to the very, very back of this shop after kind of weaving through some of the bookshelves. You still haven't seen Amelia anywhere. And you happen upon one bookshelf all the way at the back. And it's made of a bunch of kind of patchwork woods. Like someone has put up this bookshelf because they were running out of bookshelves. Um, and it's kind of cobbled together. And you notice dangling at the very top of the bookshelf on a like a, a deep like a deep colored wood sign. Um, someone has scrawled with a with a bright yellow chalk clearance. <laughs> and all across the shelf, you can see a ton of books of varying colors. They are very bright and very noticeable. Um, it almost looks like a patchwork rainbow of hues and colors. Mm, I am, 
I'm already I'm already there, man. I'm <laughs> nose deep in this. Okay. Um you start pulling books off the shelf and they are the exact kind of books that Ted would be looking for. What are some of the book titles? Hmm. Oh, let's see. Adventures in the Death Swamp. Mountains of Crazy. Goat Puncher. Well, that's a, uh, that's just not ethical. <laughs> the cover of that is a um a Goliath, which is um, a type of race you've never seen before. They're eight feet tall and they're just covered in muscle and the guy's all tatted up and he's holding a goat by the throat with one hand and he's punching another one in the stomach with the other hand. Is that like a, among their people, is that a sport? I'm going to say no, but I don't think Tenward would know enough about them because they're like deep mountain folk. Mm -hmm. So he might assume that. Tedward's just trying to wrap his head around why someone would punch a goat because he knows of all the ways to coerce a goat to obey you, punching is the last one that you should ever undertake. Um, they'll just kick you. They'll kick you right in the giblets. Tedward knows, Tedward knows goats respond a lot to affection and positive reinforcement. So I'm going to keep looking. So you spend a little bit more time flipping through these books and among them you find the same kind of a lot of the same kind of stories. Um, among the tomes, you m come across one book um, that stands out among the rest, not because it's brightly colored and all this craziness that all these other really cheap kind of dime books have. Its cover is a, a black leather with a bunch of kind of intricate scrolling over it. And when you pull it off a shelf, it just looks older than the rest of the books here. Um, and embedded in the cover is what looks to be a cracked and kind of faded piece of like circular glass almost in like a dome shape and on the inside you see what looks to be a children's drawing of a little tiny figure made it, it looks like they were colored it colored in with like gold crayon um but they're standing atop a dead dragon and they're holding a sword up into the air the title is the adventures of the dragon slayer oh boy so wait so on the cover of the book there's like a glass dome? Yeah, a, a small glass dome, maybe about an eighth of an inch thick. That's interesting. And the the, the drawing is underneath this? Yeah. Mm. But the cover is strange for how well put together the rest of the book is. That is that is very strange. Tedward is going to open this book of incongruously made binding. Um, you open it up and flip through the pages, and each page is... The first one starts out with a very crude drawing of a mountain. And a lot of these pages are just single, like one sentence phrases. Um, and you flip through it. The first one is, you know, the hero lived at the foot of the loneliest mountain in the loneliest valley of the world. And the second one is the hero heard a tale from a wandering traveler that spoke of riches and fame deep within the heart of this mountain. And looking at the artwork and starting to flip through it you kind of get the idea that this book it looks like someone took a bunch of drawings their kid made and bound them into a book and as you flip through it it's a complete story they go through this epic journey through the lens of a child but it's still an epic journey nonetheless hmm this speaks to me on the level that stories like this can only reach imbeciles at this is really resonating with me so I'm going to kind of cast around to see if there's any indication of price for the clearance rack. Um, so looking at the clearance rack, um, you notice, I guess maybe because the cover took you in immediately, every book has a small little paper tag on it. And the prices range from like one copper to like 
a silver piece, which for a book is not that much at all. Um, mm. These are like these are likely the cheapest books in this whole place. Okay. The one well, you have in particular is only worth four copper. Okay. I don't have a whole lot of change jingling in my pockets. I get paid with like insults and lint, but I've got at least four copper kicking around down there. And it wouldn't be the first time Tedward has gone hungry several nights to enjoy a distracting book because that's all he's ever really wanted is the, the stories of adventure he grew up with. That was always that was always like literally sustenance to him. Okay. Um, so you take this tome along with the other ones you were carrying around for Amelia, which at this point you're like, oh yeah, she's here. Um, and you take this tome and kind of tuck it under your arm. Um, and as you do this across the, this kind of library, you hear Amelia's voice. Tedward, chop, chop. You hear her tiny little voice echoing. All right. I'll be right over there. I gotta put a bell on this woman or something. You quickly make your way out of this back corner um, and start to weave your way, you know, around the tables, around the little tiny um, setups where all these books you can see are kind of organized by category. And you make your way across the room. Can you roll me a perception check? Uh, 10. Okay. Um, as you're making your way across the room, you maybe just you're so focused on finding Amelia, but you don't notice an individual step out between some bookshelves and cross paths with you. They step right in front of you as you pass by one of these bookshelves. Um, it, to you, it looks like they just came out of nowhere. Um, but the both of you kind of slam into each other because you were moving quick and so is this person. And all the books in your arms, can you roll me a just dexterity, I think. Dexterity. Yeah. Four. Four. Um, as expected, all the books tumble down all over the ground. Um, and you notice this individual also had a pile of books with them. Um, all of these books also just kind of tumbled down onto the floor. Um, this individual, um, human, nondescript, they have kind of shorter black hair that's pulled up into like a top knot. You hear them curse, gods. And they start picking up books. Um, what do you do? Okay. Well, Tedward would be a little bit more anxious about finding his boss. So he's going to like half-heartedly mumble an apology like, yeah, dude, sorry about that. And not really looking at the person or paying them any mind. He's going to scoop up like the first armful of books in range of his scoopers and just run off after her. Okay. Um, just roll me a quick perception check. Ooh, 16. Wow. Um, you managed to scoop up um, all the books that you have with you. And you watch as this individual also picks up all of their books. And with your perception, um, they just kind of hurriedly move past you in between the two tables. And out of the corner of your eye, you see something odd. Um, you see them step towards a bookshelf. And then you see a hint of purple light. And a, a line appears in thin air. And this person looks at you and size as they notice you see this and they step through this line of purple light as it closes behind them and they're just gone wow huh that's a hell that's a hell of a thing and while you you're looking at this you go to turn and you look down and you notice that the black children's book that you had just got with all the drawings in it you're not holding it anymore you do have a black book in your hand with all this intricate scrolling atop it and there is a glass dome on the cover of it and but you notice the title was different 
It's called Tales of Desire. And looking down at it, the leather of this cover is old and cracked. And it's the oldest book you've ever seen. What do you do? Tales of Desire. Oh, boy. That sounds steamy. <laughs> Go figure. The oldest book I've ever found was erotic fiction. This species has really had its priorities straight from the get-go. Um, Tedward's just going to roll with it, but he's going to gripe a bit. Because he figures that he has somehow gotten the sequel to the book that he had before. <laughs> the little kids all grown up. Gonna have to read these out of order. And Tedward's just gonna roll with it. Tedward doesn't question a lot. Okay. Um, so you walk on and you find Amelia um, back in a corner that hanging between the two bookshelves, you see a, another one of these um, like driftwood scrawled signs that says, Histories of Asperon. And you, at the very end of this aisle, you see Amelia hunched over over a pile of tomes and she has them open and she's flipping them. Good. She puts it in a pile that's at this point three feet high. It's covered in thick, old, dusty tomes. You know, the boring kind. Um, mm -hmm. And she goes, where have you been? I've been dragging these around the whole time. Really difficult to find you when you are considerably shorter than the shelves in here. Her eyes flare with an anger that you've become very familiar with and she goes, don't. Call me short. And she points her finger up at you and it's shaking, but it's very far away. Very difficult to find is. you when the shelves are considerably taller than you. Accurate. Right. Pick these up. I hired you to protect me and carry my stuff. And you haven't been doing any carrying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I pick up the books. The two of you, she goes, come on, I've got everything I need. Um, and she, with a pep in her step, or walks out of this row of bookshelves and makes her way up to the front and you can see there's a clerk there um like checking people out and she takes out her coin purse and starts counting out coins and she goes you didn't break anything did you again no no there's no pottery in here so i think we're safe good um and she tucks her coin purse away um and after a few minutes you guys make it to the front and she starts stacking up all of the books and um, they're about to check them out. And she notices your book and she goes, what? What is this? Oh, sorry about that. that. That one's mine. We'll take that one separately. And I put it back a little way on the table and I pull out the, from the, um, uh, the cashier side, for want of a better word, the engraved wooden equivalent of those dividers you find at a supermarket to delineate whose groceries you're buying. <laughs> Okay, um, you put it between your single book and her massive pile of books, and mm. they check her out. And, you know, she takes all of her books and opens up a little pouch on her side and starts to drop them in. And you notice, you know, as usual, you're kind of used to this. The bag doesn't get any bigger or heavier. She's just depositing books into it. Um, it's some kind mm. of wizard magic. Um, and then the clerk reaches down and picks up your book. How, how much was these? Where did you I find it? On the clearance rack back there. I don't really know specifics. He like opens it up and op like opens up the pages. It's gibberish. Two copper. All right. Call it square. I, uh, I hand over two copper. He takes it. Oh, wait. Hold on. And then I, then I go, hold on a second, pal. I may not be able to read that. Do you have a gibberish for beginners? I don't know that language. Looks up, looks next to him, and there's a bin of books that look like they still have to be sorted. And he goes, it's your lucky day. And he pulls one out, 
um, gibberish for intermediates. We don't have beginners, but you can probably find your way through it. All right. Wow, that's fortunate. Two more copper. Puts it down. I put two copper on the table. Okay. Um, and you walk away with your two books, Tales of Desire and this gibberish for intermediates. And the two of you make your way out. After some time, Amelia leads you back to her um, arcane workshop that she has in the city. Uh, it's a couple districts over, maybe like a 20-minute walk with her. Just pleasant stroll through the city. Um, and she goes in, um, opens up the door and goes, All right, you're, uh, you're dismissed for the day. I'm done with you. Get out of here. And she goes to walk in um, as normal, forgetting her payment. Um, being as I'm still holding her books, I'm just going to cough and... Uh sort of engage the uh the the winky eyebrows like aren't you forgetting something she look looks confused oh oh yeah um reaches into her bag and pulls out um a handful of coins and she drops five silver into your hand and also a handful of pocket lint mm. she goes here for your trouble <laughs> and give me that she takes one of the takes her book that you had out from under her arm okay shoot bye her door slams right. shut, and you hear the bell inside jingle because she slammed it so hard. Okay. Tedward is going to step away, whistling happily, and he's going to leaf through his gibberish for beginners book. Okay. You find a, like, a nice, comfortable place to sit down and take some time to look through this book. And you kind of have the new book open and this book, and first thing that catches you by surprise whatever language this or code this book is this intermediate book you got is trying to teach you is not the same thing in this really ancient tales of desire and you open it up to the first page and in that moment you notice something strange happened with the book um all the intricate scrolling and vine work and detailing that's just all over this cover a faint yellow light traces its way over all of it almost as if the book like reacted to you opening it and you see all these strange symbols all over the the first page of this book you know like on the forward and you can't read any of it and then a sensation you feel it wash over your body and you feel like a tickle on the back of your neck like you that that kind of thought you get when you have a good idea or when tedward has a good idea mm. and this kind of idea pushes itself into your mind and it says what is it you want more than anything in the world is this a literal voice i'm hearing yeah i'm gonna look around is there anything around me nope hmm. you kind of found like a nice secluded spot um in the less populated like a less populated side street just kind of sit uh, down on a bench look slowly down at the book with and i'm gonna shake it a few times and poke it um, nothing happens, but when you, from the shake, pages flap in the wind, and when you look down at the pages, you see that these symbols have rearranged themselves to spell out that phrase, what is it you want more than anything in the world? Hmm, well, I, hmm, I've always wanted to be a great hero. You feel that same sensation start again at the back of your neck? And it moves its way over your whole body as it feels like all of your hairs stand on end. And Ugh. you watch these symbols rearrange themselves again and it says, it is done. And in that moment, the book lifts out of your hands. And 
it starts to glow and this bright bright vibrant white light starts to pour from all the pages of the book and you can see that every single page is covered in these strange like runes and language that you can't even begin to understand and the book slams shut and this white light pours over your vision what is the first memory of tedwards that this book has changed hmm the first memory that it's changed i think when tedward first left the farm he was so naive and large that he was accosted by a highwayman on the road and didn't realize he was being robbed he thought he was being challenged to some sort of good-natured feat of strength and he just sort of wrestled this person in the submission and then patted him on the back and went his way and now this memory has been changed to tedward fighting some sort of huge troll and just like that you vividly remember this moment in your head you and the highwayman and all of his gestures that seem weird and suddenly the highwayman is replaced with the with a troll and you you in your memories for some reason your body is larger and even more muscular than you were before and you open your eyes and see that your body is glowing with this same light and your muscles are physically getting bigger and your perception wow. starts to blur and warp and everything feels like it's moving so fast. Like your reflexes have never been this strong before in your entire life. And then that sensation overtakes you and you just pass out. And as you're falling down to the ground, you land there and your vision is starting to go white at the edges and you watch as this book, the cover, where all this intricate strolling is as if someone had just stamped right into it. It says, the tales of Tedward the Great, and your eyes close. You awaken to the same sound Alea did. You hear, and your eyes open, and you see Alea on the ground rolling back and forth, and Tuberi is sitting on her chest, like, looking down at her face, and you're awake in the clearing. Cool. I got Jumanji'd. Yeah, you got Jumanji'd pretty hard. As we see Tedward unconscious on this city bench, our view blurs as we are pulled through the winding streets of the Emerald Crossroads. As we are pulled through the winding streets of the Emerald Crossroads, dazzling hues of green, orange, yellow, and blue flash across our sight as we are pulled quickly through the market. Then our vision ascends into the sky as we are pulled towards a single tower deep behind the walls of the ever-secretive School of the Mists. Inside, two individuals clad in azure robes and rings across each hand stand in stunned silence before an ancient, sealed pedestal. You... you lost the book. I mean, I... I didn't lose it. I just... I just came in and it was gone? No alarms went off? Nothing disturbed? Do you understand how dangerous that statement is we need to find that book someone within the school must have stolen it it's the only thing that makes sense it if it was stolen don't don't you think someone would have or something would have happened by now i mean with an actual wish you you could slay millions you could you could become a god sculpt the universe to your will it's been hours and nothing 
Then, the voice of this concerned mage echoes throughout the chamber as our vision is pulled away from this lonely tower. And we return to the very bench where Tedward now lazily naps within the winding streets of the Emerald Crossroads. Upon his lap sits the Book of Desire. Among the hands of mortal kind, it is one of the most powerful artifacts to ever exist. And its power squandered to turn a fool into a hero. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking around at the end, and I really hope you enjoyed the show. So, I guess the secret's out now. A book of wishes, and Tedward wished to become the main character in a cheap dime novel. I think that's the most bizarre backstory I've ever run a game for, and I've been around a necromancer that flew inside of the ribcage of a dead griffin and piloted like a jet? But I think this one takes the cake. Alea's little siblings are the cutest! Avi gets some mad props this session for coming up with almost all that on the spot. I rarely get to do that to my players, and it blew me away. I think this episode is going to be one of my favorites for a while. It was equal parts wholesome and very mysterious, and I just had a huge grin on my face while I was editing this together. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I just enjoyed um, pouring my heart out about it. Spread the word share the show, and maybe leave us a rating if you can. Anyway, I'll see you when our next episode pops out on June 28th. Stay safe, and see you soon.